Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. Hey, we're on the air to help you understand that your workplace is your mission field and that work that you do each and every day is a gift from God and that God wants to join you in that work today. Martha and I are so excited that you've joined us. We really are, Jim. And I just want to um, highlight for people as they um, go throughout their day, go throughout their week, if they're busy and they are wanting to just get a little bit more of the conversation that we're talking about on the air every day, Jim, we have a brand new podcast that is going to be launching on Labor Day. So I just want to let our listeners know about that. They can go out to their favorite platform right now and find I Work For Him Power Pods. And that is the power packed highlight reel of our hour long show um, in just a 15 minute um, quick, fast listening opportunity. So get subscribed, be ready. The launch is coming and um, we're just really excited about that. And we kind of feel like Labor Day is a very appropriate time for I Work For Him Power to launch. Yeah. You know, what does it mean to go beyond business, Martha? Are we talking about socialism? No way. We're talking about the real reason behind enterprise, the biblical reason businesses exist. There are so many. We're going to focus the conversation today on redefining ministry so that we recognize the marketplace as a huge mission field in order to change the world. Lonnie Ginger is the CEO of Wilkinson Corporation, and he's got a passion for excellence in business and ministry, and he wrote a phenomenal book called Beyond Business. How Your Company Can Build a Better World. Lonnie hails to us from Washington State. Lonnie Ginger, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you, Jim and Martha. It's an honor to be uh, on your show. Well, thank you very much. And our listeners all over the country, are, are, are we always love to share, start the show with this, Lonnie. How did you become a follower of Jesus? Well, I was actually raised as a preacher's kid where Christianity and the church was an integral part of my life. Uh, Mm -hmm. My early years, my experience with God was probably more cultural and about what my family did and following the religion I was raised in. But later in my teen years, I started to sort through all the cultural and religious elements and really start to enjoy this amazing personal direct relationship with God. And I would say these days, my my passion is about following Jesus as a transformational leader, really following Jesus as a practical, everyday matter. He's my friend and my guide in life and my life CEO, my leader in business. So I, w- I was actually raised, you know, in this preacher's kid environment where I had this profound belief that God had a plan for me to impact the world for his cause and that the church was the best way or maybe even the only way to do that. So I took theology and after a short time pastoring um, a church where, of course, everybody who was going there was pretty well already convinced, I, I became convinced that my, my real purpose was connecting with people who wouldn't normally walk into a church. But the, the challenge was I, I didn't even know how to talk to people who didn't go to church because that's, mm-hmm. that's all I knew, you know. <laughs> um, I was raised going to church, you know, all, all the time and knew a lot of great uh, church people, but I didn't know how to even relate to people who didn't go to church. So I figured I needed to spend a bit more time outside the church world just to understand how to connect with the world. But the challenge was I, 
I couldn't even get a job because, well, with a theological education, it's a little <laughs> hard to get most other jobs. <laughs> so I didn't have a choice but to start a business. And uh, 35 years ago, I just fell in love with the process of building businesses and leaders and teams that make a positive impact on the world for God. And uh, these days, that's my passion, and I experience God in profound ways every day just through how I do business and the interactions he has with me in business. And as I'm talking to people and saying, what do you want me to say to this person? What do you want to speak into this situation? Uh, That's how I experience God the most, really, these days. Mm. That's my story in short. That is so powerful. You know, very rarely do we hear someone who was in the pulpit and changed to an out-of-the-pulpit workplace experience. Um, you know, we are always fighting that tide the other direction. You're like it's an out-of-body experience. Out-of-body, out-of-pulpit <laughs> experience. You know? No, but t- so often, Lonnie, we run into the opposite, don't we, Jim, where somebody says, I'm going to leave business and go preach in the, from the pulpit because I feel like that's the only way I can reach people. People where you you have got God's idea that I mean we need preachers we need people to be teaching us but you realize that shoulder to shoulder every day in your work environment um, God had a big plan for you yes and you know honestly it wasn't an easy journey for me and we yeah. might talk about this later but I uh, felt guilty for a lot of years for leaving my highest calling and this <laughs> this internal angst that somehow I wasn't doing the most I could do for God. And it's really just been more and more in recent years that uh, God's helped me sort through that where I now feel like I am in my highest calling, for me anyway. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about that because, you know, this is an issue we deal with across the country. As we travel across the country, Lonnie, we hear from people all the time like, I just want to quit my job. In fact, I just wrote two blogs about it today. I want to quit my job so I can go into ministry. I want to quit my job so I can go be a pastor. You... Why did you feel guilty? And what's this thing, highest calling? Is there such a thing as as callings that are superior to other people's callings? I mean, is there a ranking system in the kingdom when it comes to callings? <laughs> well, I, I don't think there is these days, but I certainly felt that way um, early in my life where— mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, my prevailing paradigm over the years was that the world of building businesses to create happy customers and the world of building church— to create happy followers of Jesus were very separate and distinct. <laughs> and of course, I, I tried to take my faith into the work world, and I tried to take some basic business savvy into the church world, but it seemed quite normal for church and business to be very different spheres, and it wasn't really until I entered this, uh, what I call the second half of my life, and started <laughs> focusing more on, on meaning, that I, I started ex- experiencing more of that, that angst, like, you know, if I was really living out this, this higher purpose, I'd be doing more in the church. And, you know, we, we actually 20 years ago started a, a ministry called Ministry Advantage uh, that coaches pastors around the country and around the world on leadership skills. So I've done a fair amount in the church world, so I was thinking, ah, I should do more with that. Because um, when, when I was in the business world, I felt I should be focusing more on the church world to do things that, quotes really counted for my life mission and legacy. Mm. Uh, but, and when I was in the church world, though, I, I had this similar you know, gnawing angst that I, I needed to do something in the business world that could effectively change society in ways the church world didn't seem to be doing. So, so really, was, the enemy had an awesome time messing with your head for decades. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It was for decades, and it was really just a few years ago that I 
I felt convicted to write a book on this subject, and it wasn't because I had any ambition to be a published author at all. Mm-hmm. I just simply felt like I needed the discipline of slowing down to to think about what, if any, connection there was supposed to be between these two worlds that could potentially make me and maybe others more effective at building God's kingdom. So that's how this whole book journey started for me. Have you gotten past the guilt and been able to talk to other people about the guilt and and the lie behind the, you know, well, if you really want to make an impact to the kingdom, you got to work within a four walls church. You got to be a pastor or a missionary. Have you, have, have you been able to defend that lie out there in the marketplace? <laughs> yes, I'm definitely way past that now. I mean, okay. I, I think for me, part of it was realizing, you know, that this, this bifurcation of um, the good things the conventional church does for, from, for society from the good things business does for society, that came from this, this thing I now call the dualism disaster, which I'm sure you've had people talk about on your show before, the, the idea that business is secular and worldly while religion is somehow spiritually, spiritual and godly. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. that, you know, that, that's not the biblical paradigm. It's not the paradigm Jesus had. It's not the, even the Jewish paradigm. That, that paradigm is that you know, oh that Jesus would have grown up in is very different. You know, business is one of those things, Martha, that so many people think that business is business, that church is church, and they don't have anything to do with each other. But today, they're going to learn differently. We're giving away a copy of our guest book today. Lonnie Ginger's on the air with us today. That's right, Jim. And it's called Beyond Business. And they can call it, please call our listener line at 866-713-9675, 866-713-WORK. Leave me a message so I can get a hold of you. You can leave your mailing address right there. Um, Jim, I've had a couple of people lately that I ha- they haven't called me back. I've needed their address and I haven't heard from them. So Very hard make- to send you anything if you don't <laughs> leave your address. So please make sure that you leave a, a way that I can really get a hold of you if I have any extra questions about your address. Again, the book is called Beyond Business at 866-713-9675. And the author is Lonnie Ginger. He's the co-founder and chairman of Business Advantage and Ministry Advantage, which has provided strategic leadership coaching to thousands of presidents, CEOs, and church leaders around the world over the past two decades. He's passionate about developing the effective leaders who build organizations with a lasting positive impact. And he's building such an organization as CEO of Wilkinson Corporation, a national real estate investment and operations platform. I don't usually read full bios, but Lonnie Ginger, yours is wild. And the book that you wrote, Beyond Business, is fantastic. Lonnie Ginger, welcome to I Work For Him. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate right, that. So, so talk about, is, is, was business God's idea? <laughs> oh, man, you're going to get me started, aren't you? I am. Yeah, so... Yeah, so uh, this is this is a big passion of mine, uh, especially these days. And I, I would say that the idea of God using business or the marketplace, to put it more broadly, as really a primary platform for transforming society and bringing His kingdom to this earth is not at all a new concept. It's had a long and successful history, but it's often overlooked. Um, that's what drives me crazy these days, the more I realize this. So, mm-hmm. first of all, business was clearly the platform Jesus used for his ministry on this earth. The marketplace was the springboard for the growth of the early church, and Jesus and his first followers didn't see working in ministry and working in business as two separate things. To them, it was one and the same. And then I think about the fact that God could have chosen to have Jesus born into any family on earth. In fact, his, his cousin John, John the Baptist, who also became a very famous religious figure in history, obviously, 
he was born into a very religious priest family, and that seems like it would be appropriate, the, the kind of family that God would choose for his son Jesus to be raised in on earth, too. It would make sense that Jesus would be raised in a religious, priestly kind of family and would discuss priestly things every night with his dad, right? <laughs> But no, <laughs> uh, when, when God decided it was time to show up on this earth with, you've got to believe, was his ultimate demonstration of, of what he's like. When God decided to penetrate the kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of light, God chose to show up as a business leader. I mean, Jesus was literally even born in a place of business. There was, as you know the story, there's no mm-hmm. room in local motels, so he was born in a stable, which was the equivalent of a garage or service station where the common vehicles of transportation. <laughs> I thought it was a great repair. way. That's a great it's way a, to look at it. I thought it, it was an Airbnb. You thought about that? It's like an Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah. I had that's an extra where, that's room. Where donkeys so... were refueled and repaired, right? That's right. hilarious. So, so Jesus was born in a business. He was born into the family of a business owner, not a religious leader or a political leader. His, as, as we all know now, his father, Joseph, he owned a regional construction company. As near as we can tell from historical and biblical evidence, it appears that Jesus' father probably died when Jesus was an early teen. So as the oldest child in the family, Jesus would have taken over as CEO of the family business. And we don't know exactly how large Jesus' business was, of course, but we do know that at a minimum, it created enough profit to provide for at least the eight people in his family and I don't know, probably some relatives and widows and orphans, too, knowing the character of Jesus, right? So here's what gets me. The grandest strategy that God could think of to establish his kingdom on this earth was to come to this earth as a business person. Think about that. <laughs> and, and by the way, I, I, you know, some people say, well, you know, maybe that was new with the New Testament. But the concept of using business and Entrepreneurs as the core of God's strategy to change the world started way before Jesus showed up on this earth. Uh, like the Old Testament talks about how God chose the nation of Israel to develop a model that would show the world what it looked like when society established a culture under the leadership of God, right? So God started this whole nation transformation strategy with the nation of Israel with three great leaders who were to become the, the fathers of the first of many nations that would follow God's plans. Those leaders were, of course, Abraham, his son Isaac, and Isaac's son Jacob. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were three generations of prolific entrepreneurs. Right. Um, most people, for some reason, when they think about the key characters in this, this Old Testament story, they bring up images of rabbis and prophets and kings. But the reality is, when God launched that strategy to transform a, a, and create a model nation under his rule and reign, he chose to build it under the leadership of three generations of Jewish business leaders. Hey, hang, hang tight with that thought for just a second, Lonnie. We're talking with Lonnie Ginger. He's written a book, Beyond Business, How Your Company Can Build a Better World which I believe was God's plan. And, and as we talked to Lonnie, really want to know, you were giving away one of his books today, Martha. That's right. It's called Beyond Business, How Your Company Can Build a Better World, like you said, Lonnie Ginger. And they can call our um, listener line. So please, listeners, this is your opportunity to call in 866-713-9675 and leave your information.
information. I ask, I tell you what to leave right on the voicemail, Jim. So they don't need to remember anything right now except for the phone number. And if they can't remember that, go to iworkforhim.com, go to our contact page, and the number is there. They can click to call or they can send an email on the contact page. 866-713-WORK. Okay, Lonnie, so you're saying, okay, so Jesus was born into an entrepreneurial family, had to take over the family business as the eldest son, probably in his teen years. So he was, he was a business guy, a business guy. Okay. And, and you're saying that the forefathers of the Christian faith and the Jewish faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were business guys. So did you learn that stuff in seminary when you went to seminary? Oh, I wish. No, well, what, what, what do you mean? I mean, they teach you the Bible in, in, in seminary, right? They do teach the Bible, uh, but it is through the lens of uh, historic Christianity, which is largely focused on the conventional church paradigm, where church is about what happens in and through the programs of the local church. And okay, I, wait, 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 through the lens of conventional Christianity. It, it, well, wait a minute. So you're saying the Old Testament, though, was, I mean, the Jewish documents that we have part of our, our Bible, the Old Testament— was about these three business guys that launched a nation by the power of God. And you're saying in seminary, they didn't teach you about the business side, they taught you about the religious side? <laughs> yeah, pretty much so. Okay, uh, all right, so so we have an issue, don't we? I mean, I know I'm baiting you, and you could tell I just get infuriated about this, because, Alani, you said, I, I don't care, how, how old were you when you realized that all of this was a lie and that you that, that we needed to fix this we needed to shift this paradigm within the body of Christ. How old were you? I mean, it was really in my 40s and 50s that it started to dawn mm-hmm. on me. Right. And, and honestly, it's only mm-hmm. been in the last six or seven years, so in my late 40s, that I can, like, wait a minute. Jesus was a business guy. How many sermons have you ever heard preached about that? And then the business, was it God's idea, was really where we got down this, this rabbit hole? Yes, business was God's idea. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the forefathers of Christianity and Judaism today, were business guys. Yet how many sermons have you ever heard preached about the business? Okay, okay. Martha tells me, get off my soapbox. Okay, all right. We're well, talking- you know, the thing is, is that we love for our listeners to hear this perspective. And like you were saying, you know, the more you, you think about it, the more you realize it, Lonnie, the more you realize that there are a lot of people missing this, um, this point in their own lives and what a revolutionary um, way it has given you to approach your own business. All right. So if God, if business okay. was God's idea in a minute or less, what was God's point with business? So I think that God's point with business is that he recognizes that it is, it is a, a system that I believe he's established that positively reinforces the principles of his kingdom, where the greatest servant is the greatest leader, where he, who, he or she who serves the most people, creates the most value for the most people, um, benefits the most. It's, it's, a, it's a self uh, perpetuating positive cycle that builds God's kingdom when it's done right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I think about, you know, of course, in, in theology school, I, I heard the stories of, and understood the stories of Jesus and that he was a carpenter's son and all that. But what didn't dawn on me until recent years is that here we have a limitless God able to choose any strategy, any method to execute its plan to redeem humanity, right? And what does he do? He shows up leading a business. Business was supposed to be a self-perpetuating positive impact on society. But that's not what we see today, though, is it? 
uh, no, unfortunately, uh, it's not viewed that way by the church. And obviously, and many times, it's not actually businesses aren't businesses aren't actually built in that way. But um, one of my core convictions these days is that. God loves business, and God really loves business leaders, and God doesn't hate money. He doesn't hate people who make a ton of it by serving their fellow human beings well. In fact, I'm not sure that there's anything that makes God smile more than seeing business, businesses and business leaders create so much value and serve people so well mm. that those people are willing to give up this thing called money in exchange. So I'm I'm increasingly convinced that God might have even chosen business as his preferred method to manifest his presence and bring his kingdom to this world. Hmm. You know, what a great way for people to be. I mean, this is this is really I ho- I'm going to have to go back and listen to some of this again. I think our listeners too, Jim, because it's a a really eye-opening way of looking at things. So if building a better society is contingent on building great businesses, why hasn't the church embraced business and marketplace activities in order to bring the gospel to the masses? Great question, and it would take uh, probably a couple shows to answer all my thoughts on that. But <laughs> or write a book, right? <laughs> you write a book, yeah. But my, my first response to that question actually is to expand it a bit and say that okay. God's plan is to use the marketplace not just to bring what is considered today as the gospel or good news of salvation, um, mm-hmm. but to actually bring his kingdom to this earth. You know, Jesus' primary focus, his driving reason for being in business and in life, was about God's kingdom on earth. It was about building a better society, one where people lived under under the the leadership and the values of God. So, uh, I don't know, most people don't realize this, but another thing I didn't learn in theology school is I learned a lot about the gospel and the good news, but I never realized that Jesus never called the gospel what we call the gospel today. Mm. The only thing Jesus ever called good news was the kingdom of God, bringing God's leadership and values to everyday life and society. That was the theme of his mission. And like the Roman ecclesia was doing to expand the leadership and values of the Roman emperor every day in the marketplace, Jesus said he came to establish his ecclesia that was to bring God's leadership, God's values to society through everyday life in the marketplace. And so when you, when you start embracing the transformation of society as the goal, it requires embracing a paradigm that penetrates everyday life of society. Um, it, if, if we embrace that it's not enough to just to, to go to a, a, a holy place and hear holy songs and great sermons and serve in the programs of that place, but it, if the goal is to transform society, it, it creates a different, much more per- pervasive paradigm. <laughs> so we're both sitting here pondering all of that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. You, know, you talk about Jesus being a, a fantastic leader. Are you saying that Jesus is the most transformational business leader ever? <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I, these days, I, I mostly speak to conferences full of people of all faith and no faith, and I encourage them to, to just put any religious notions about Jesus aside for a minute and just evaluate Jesus as a transformational world leader. 
I mean, he raised the bar of effectiveness on rebuilding society on a global scale. In fact, you know, many even non-religious thinkers say that he is the most transformational business leader in the world. So if you drop the religious lens for a moment and just look at what this leader did, you know, he built a construction business for the first 30 years of his short 33-year life, and in the last three years of his life, he focused primarily on training up leaders who would continue his mission to transform the world. Mm -hmm. And he fully empowered his leadership team to run the day-to-day operations and expansion of the enterprise that he started. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unlike most charismatic leaders, after Jesus as a leader was dead and gone from the scene of this organization he started, the enterprise continued to grow in size and effectiveness. And 2,000 years later, it's the longest-running continual enterprise in the world. So um, I, I think if, if you don't, even if you don't call yourself a Christian, there's, there's no denying the incredible transformational impact Jesus had on civilization over the last 2,000 years. Uh, more than any other person in the history of the world, and um, he did that from his platform of influence as a business leader for 30 of his 33 years. And in fact, my belief is that even in those last three years, he still had his, his business. He just had it self-running. And I believe the disciples mm-hmm. still had their businesses. Uh, that's why they were able to pick up and go use boats anytime they wanted in a time when boats were not just sitting around for rent or use as leisure boats. They were only used for businesses. So mm-hmm. my, my personal belief is that they both had their businesses. They just were good enough leaders that uh, they continued running and, and providing things. And Jesus, um, he, he taught for just three years kind of full time. Right. You look at the leaders of history like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and all these great um, other leaders people think of as great leaders. You know, they taught for 40, 50 years. And Jesus only taught for three years. But the influence of Jesus' three years of <laughs> teaching and leadership infinitely exceeds the impact left by all the combined years of teaching of those other men who are considered great leaders and philosophers of time. Right. We're talking today with Lonnie Ginger. He's written this book, Beyond Business, How Your Company Can Build a Better World. And and really, what we're doing is highlighting some of the things that I got out of it and questions I just wanted to ask a business leader to make sure that we really got a chance to, to, let's just strip this back and let's peel back the layers to be able to eliminate the religiosity behind Christianity, because that just, religion is about money, power, and control. Jesus was not about any of those things. He was about life transformation. And so, Lonnie, really, it's all about redefining ministry, because Jesus took ministry to the marketplace. He took advantage of his customer base, his vendor base, his, and he brought ministry where people were. And you wrote about that in your book. I, in fact, I want to read just a, a couple paragraphs from it. I grew up as a preacher's kid. This is you writing. I grew up as a preacher's kid and felt the call to ministry at a very early age. It seemed that the zenith of spirituality, the highest expression of commitment to the Jesus I had come to know and love, was to devote my life to full-time ministry as a pastor or missionary. This seemed like the top rung of the ladder of the Christian life. I remember sitting in on many altar calls with emotional appeals to serve Jesus by going into ministry. Ministry in this context context meant ministry in and through the conventional four walls church. I added the four walls part. Ultimately, if you could possibly attain the highest expression of commitment to ministry, it would mean being a full-time ministry paid by the church. But Lonnie, you've realized since then that that is, that's, we need to redefine ministry. How would you define ministry today? Uh, So 
Um, for me, it's pretty clear. Um, the word ministry basically means service. And when I serve people in what I do in business, I'm in ministry. There's, there's a direct correlation there. And uh, my, I would say my, my early first years in business were minimally productive because I still had, honestly, prejudices about non-Christian, quotes people of the world. And I learned it's hard to love people of the world unless you love the world like Jesus loved it. So it took me a few years to learn to love people who didn't go to church. <laughs> I'm, I'm ashamed to admit that these days. Um, but, you know, these days I've learned that when I love people and serve people well, that is my ministry. And, you know, it's, I, I, I want to make, make it clear, don't get me wrong, I'm not in any way diminishing the value or importance of the local church. I've spent right. much of my life believing and teaching that the local church is the hope of the world. It's just that until recent years, when I said that, I defined the local church as the gathering and programs of local congregations. So I believe, like, like many good church-going Christians, that true ministry only happened in and through the local church. It never entered my mind for years that what happened in business during the week could be ministry, let alone what if it was an expression of the ministry of the church? What if it was actually the way ministry was supposed to be done, was designed by Jesus to be done through this thing he established that we now call the church? So, so Lonnie, take a moment right now and speak to our listeners and just encourage them if they're thinking that they've never had that thought before, that what they do in service is ministry, whatever their role is within whatever organization or if they're self-employed, they work for the government, they're a teacher, they're an at-home mom, whatever that role is, speak to them and, and encourage them as a minister in about a minute. Okay. So, first of all, you you don't have to be a business owner or a business leader even mm-hmm. to to act this out in your life. Um, I would say that the employees, every team member in a business, is just as much responsible for making an impact for God and building His kingdom through a business as the business owner is, and. There are there's three levels that happens in. One is just the basic level of providing good quality service and products that meet people's needs. The second level is where you actually go beyond that to do extra mile things that express the heart of God through you to add more benefit beyond just the act of getting business done for people. And the third level is where you intentionally find ways to bring God's values and principles into what you do through business. So. All three of those levels mm. are bringing God's purposes to what you do through everyday life and business. <laughs> You're listening to the I Work For Him radio show, and we're talking today with Lonnie Ginger. You can check him out online, LonnieGinger.com, and that's G-I-E-N-G-E-R.com. But you can call the listener line and get a copy of his book today, 866-713-9675, Beyond Business, Lonnie Ginger, G-I-E-N-G-E-R. Beyond Business, call the listener line, 866-713-9675, 866-713-WORK. Lonnie, we've had a, a conversation. I mean, we've, we've covered so much on this today. What is it that you want to make sure that you communicate to the audience today as we as Christ followers out there in workplaces that are as varied from digging a ditch, selling used cars, to operating on hearts and everywhere in between 
What is it you want to make sure everybody understands from your heart as God has directed? That's a great question. I think uh, what I want people to understand is what we're talking about here is not just uh, making marketplace ministry another ministry of the local church. I, I believe that. I was part of marketplace ministries over the years and saw that as separate and distinct from the local church. What we're talking about here is shifting the entire paradigm for how we define church. I know that's scary for a lot of people, especially pastors. I love pastors. Uh, But what if business is a more effective model for doing church, as church was originally intended, than the conventional paradigm that has defined church for the majority of the world for the last 1,800 years? What if when you're building a business, you're actually building the church? Wouldn't that be a crazy thought? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you've so, just gotten heresy put all across your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know, I know. But let me tell you the real story. Can I tell you the real story of how Jesus started the church? Sure. Okay, so here's how it went down. And you know this part of the story. Uh, Jesus was asking his followers what people were saying about who he was, and Peter said, I know who you are. You're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, essentially, you got it. On this rock, this foundational concept, I'll build my church. But what if what Jesus meant by church is not what we think of today when we think of church? See, the word that Jesus used, which we translate as church, is ecclesia. When Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia, Peter got it, and so did the rest of Jesus' followers. They knew exactly what the ecclesia was in their society and how it was built. It wasn't a new idea. It wasn't a remake of a religious institution. If, if Jesus wanted this, this thing he was going to build to look like a place where people gather weekly to hear teaching and worship him, he probably would have said, I will build my synagogue or I'll build my temple, because those were the two primary religious institutions of that time. But he didn't say, I'll build another religious system. He said, I'll build my ecclesia, and they got it because the ecclesia was a well-known secular system. The Romans got it from the Greeks. They used it to permeate every aspect of culture with the emperor's rule and reign through the marketplace. It was a system that the kingdom of Rome used to expand its kingdom on behalf of the emperor of Rome, who they believed was a descendant of the gods or a son of God. So when Peter recognized Jesus as being the son of God, It was the perfect cue for Jesus to announce that he was going to build his ecclesia as opposed to the Roman ecclesia, and nothing could stop it. What what I didn't realize until doing research on this in recent years is that the, the Romans had a deeply held belief that was this. They believed that where two or three Romans were gathered in the name of the emperor, that they were an ecclesia assembly with the authority of the emperor to expand the kingdom of Rome. Does that sound familiar? Yep. <laughs> right? So th- that's why when Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with you, you have the authority of the true Son of God to expand my kingdom. When he, when he said that, they got it. So mm. Jesus wants to use us to build this this unstoppable ecclesia through our everyday life in the marketplace. So that's why I say, what if business is actually a more effective model for doing church as it was originally intended than how we've typically defined church over the years? Maybe. Wow. 
Uh, and maybe. I mean, come on. I mean, we, 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 we joke and say maybe, but you're, you're talking about this was Jesus's idea. And, and Jesus was not religious. I mean, it wasn't about money, power, and control because that's what religion's about. Jesus was about transforming the world. And, and Jesus was a business guy. So he understood entrepreneurialism. He understood vendor relationships. He understood supplier relationships. He understood customer relationships. And he understood relationships in the marketplace, in the workplaces. He understood it. And he understood the power of the, the influence that came from that. Hey, today we're talking with Lonnie Ginger, and you could Check him out online, LonnieGinger.com. He's got a book we're giving away today, Beyond Business, because that's what we need to be thinking about, Beyond Business. What was God's big idea with business? And I'd love for you to get a copy of this book today, 866-713-WORK, 866-713-9675. That's the I Work For Him listener line. Lonnie, I... Oh, Martha, go ahead. Well, I, I wanted Lonnie to just kind of dream with us for a minute and ask what would it look like if the church and our current modern the day big C past, church, the body of Christ, the body of Christ, the four walls church and the pastors really better embraced this conversation that you just were having? Mm, that's a great question, because I think it, it all starts with regaining that original vision. So let me dream with you a bit. So okay. what what if... Um, conventional church pastors embrace the possibility that when a business provides valuable service to their community, it could be a valuable missionary activity, maybe even an expression of the mission of their church. Or what if pastors saw it was was their job to train business leaders to be more effective in their mission to transform society in and through their business? Mm -hmm. So my dream is to, to think of this. What if pastors saw the business the businesses in their church and the business leaders in their church as an extension of their church's ministry, maybe as a campus of their church. Hmm. What if pastors actually got up and celebrated on Sunday what happened in and through the businesses represented in their church as much as they got up and celebrated the missionaries they send to Africa? I mean, how, how would that impact church programming and teaching and financial strategy? I mean, what would be celebrated when the church gathers on Sundays? I, I, you know, instead of just celebrating things like the number of kids who attended Vacation Bible School, which is great, what if the church would celebrate the new jobs a business created that provided food, education, and other benefits for families in the community? I had, I had a business leader recently who, who asked me, like you talked about at the beginning of the program here, should, should I should I quit my business and, and go into full time ministry? And of course, mm-hmm. that got me going. <laughs> and I just asked a simple question. I just he had about fifty employees, and I said, "So how many how many people does your business feed?" We added it up with fifty employees, um, average three person three people um, in each family, right. like one hundred and fifty meals a day. That's a thousand meals a week. And I said, "So what if what if your church pastor got up next Sunday?" because he loved his church and he wanted to do more for his church. So what if your church pastor got up on Sunday and said, we want to celebrate today how, how John Smith's business, because it's a, an extension of our church, our church has provided a thousand meals to people in our community this week alone, <laughs> 4,000 meals a month. Right. Right. And, and John said, wow, if, if, if if I actually felt like what I did was a part of the ministry of my church like that, then I would feel like I'm in ministry. So, yeah. so my passion is to see that pastors and business leaders embrace this paradigm that I believe Jesus 
intended and what is necessary for his values, his leadership to pervade every aspect of our society, like salt and light throughout all of life. And only imagine the other people that hear that conversation, how it empowers and encourages them. It's much like when you go to a missions conference and you get you get excited about becoming a missionary, being in church and being excited about the work that you're doing because of what it's being celebrated for the kingdom. And Lonnie, we haven't even had a chance and we're out of time, almost out of time. <laughs> we got a minute left, but we haven't even had a chance to talk about the fact that not only do businesses provide income for families to be able to provide for themselves or provide goods and services to the community, but they provide excess. And, and, and really quick, at 30 seconds or less, what's the excess about? What is the profit for? <laughs> yeah, so it, profit is only exists for the purpose of perpetuating this positive cycle of adding value, God's values, to life through business. And so any business that exists just for the sake of making profit is not a sustainable, long-term, successful business. And I, I say that to people who are completely non-Christians and they nod their heads. I said it last week at a conference and they all nod their heads. And unfortunately these days I see oftentimes many businesses who are not led by Christ followers, who are more passionate about using their business and their profits to do more to build this planet and to build people than sometimes what Christians do, because mm. we still segregate the two too much. So my right. passion, and I think right. every Christian's passion these days, should be bringing who God is in us and what he does through us to what we do all day, all day every long. day, That's right. 24-7. And that paradigm, when we live it out, Amen. is a game changer. Yes. Lonnie Ginger, thanks for being on I Work For Him today. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, definitely our mission field, but ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him podcast with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Please visit iworkforhim.com to learn more about connecting your faith and work, to join the I Work For Him nation, or subscribe to our weekly blog. You can also follow us on social media at I Work For Him to stay up to date and meet our guests. If today's message spoke to you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review will launch more workplace missionaries across America. That's at I Work For Him and online, iworkforhim.com. I work the number for him.com.